0: Freaks, geeks, and peeps, it's Kelsey here to tell you that this first episode was recorded just recently at the end of July 2023. This is my top 20 horror books of all time. If there is a book that you want to know the title and author of and you didn't quite catch what I said, be sure to go check out the original YouTube video because I do show the books physically on screen as well as include an actual picture of the books in addition to holding them up in my hand. So if you miss something that I say, you could check over on YouTube. I will link the original video in the description. Also be sure to check out my sponsor, which you'll hear about in a second, but it's Ana Luisa, and I do have a promo code. It slashers SLIMEANDSLASHERS20. When you use the link in the description of this podcast episode, click that link and use my code slashers 20 spelled out, SLIME, A-N-D, SLASHERS20, all one word, and you will get 20% off your order again, Anna Luisa. Thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast slash video. I so appreciate it, and you're my first sponsor. And guys, I hope you enjoy my top twenty list. If we have any favorite books in common, please let me know. I'd love to know that. And make sure you take a second to rate this podcast as it's brand brand new. And I would so appreciate anybody spreading the word about the podcast feed or giving us a good rating wherever you rate your podcast specifically on apple would be wonderful thank you guys so much again and enjoy the episode Welcome fellow freaks, geeks, and nostalgic peeps to my channel, Slime and Slashers, where yeah, we talk about everything from Nickelodeon slime to horror movie slashers, but plenty of stuff in between, including books. And this is not just any old book-themed video. This is an epic freaking long time in the making book themed video because this is my top 20 horror books of all time. So yes, we will be digging into 20 of my very, very favorite horror books. And that is an important distinction, I think, because I do have a few favorites that I don't consider horror. So those favorites that I don't classify as horror will not be on this top 20 list. So enough yammering, let's go to the short intro so we can get into my freaking top 20. Welcome back guys. I am so freaking excited to talk about my top 20 books with you guys. Before I do, I want to say an extra special thank you to today's video sponsor, Ana Luisa. Ana Luisa, they make awesome, very unique jewelry. I think... That is perfect for everyone, no matter what type of style of jewelry you like. Of course, I could not resist getting a mood ring for myself. I chose the mood ring because it's like being transported back into the 90s. And of course, I want a freaking adult-themed mood ring. Let's go, baby. Let's go. We're back in 1999 and I'm here for it. So I love having this. I've been wearing it so much recently. And what I love about Ana Luisa is they care about the planet as a whole. And on top of that, they do a lot of testing to make sure these pieces last. 100% of their pieces are strength and humidity tested. So you know that they're not going to get damaged. I really love that they have a lot of affordable pieces for people like me who might not want to spend a fortune on jewelry, but still have some jewelry that they can be proud to wear and excited to wear. And I feel like Ana Luisa combines that reasonable price with freaking unique, awesome quality. You can find pieces there starting as low as $39, which is very affordable, in my opinion. Another thing to note is that all of their products are backed by a two-year warranty. They also offer free and fast U.S. shipping and returns, but they also have very affordable and reasonable worldwide shipping as well. As I mentioned earlier, They do test for strength and humidity, but they also test against tarnishing, damage, and breakage. But again, if you're not satisfied, they'll either send you a replacement or reimburse you, no questions asked. They are carbon neutral and climate neutral certified, and they offset 100% of their carbon footprint. In this day and age, I feel like companies should be doing that, so I am very pumped to be sponsored by a brand who takes that very seriously. I've been watching a lot of nature docs recently, and honestly, that's something I've been thinking about more than ever. I encourage you guys, if you're a fan of wearing jewelry, especially jewelry that's not your same old boring basic jewelry, so if you are like me and your taste is similar to mine, I would advise you to check out their website, and guess what? Not only can you buy a little something something and treat yourself if you go and purchase something using my link in the description below, but also you could be helping out me because anytime you use any creator's special promo code or special link or both, you are helping the creator out. I feel like if you do love the creator you're watching and you want to support them even further and help them make better content and keep making their channel better and bigger and help offset their costs. I feel like a partnership like this one that I have with Ana Luisa that uses a special promo code and link is one of the best ways ever to support a creator, like I said, but you also get something in return by actually buying the freaking piece, but you get a little percentage off by using my code and they see how much people use my code and then they wanna partner with the creator more and more. And that is how this type of thing works. And so I encourage you, If you want jewelry, use my code because it is a win-win for you and for me. I am really excited about this partnership and hope it lasts a very, very long time. So just once more, check out the link in the description. And when you check out, be sure to use my code Slashers 20 for 20% off. Again, that's Slashers 20 for 20% off. The code will be in the description so you can copy and paste, but more importantly, the link itself, which you can click, is in the description right now. Go and get some freaking badass jewelry and yeah, we Can compare pieces because I can't wait to get more from Ana Luisa. And thank you again Ana Luisa for sponsoring this video. That is it for housekeeping. Let's get into the meat to the nitty-gritty of the video. And I want you guys to know that this is in no particular order in terms of I don't have a number 20 and I don't have a number one specifically. I do have an order written down but it's going to be by publishing year. So I'm gonna go from the book that was published the longest time ago, so the oldest book, to the newest published book. So that is how we're going to organize and go through this list. So I thought that was the most fair way and the easiest way for me, honestly, to not have to agonize over literally making a number 20, number 19, number 18, because I really love of these books and they are all equally all-time favorites. The oldest book on this list is The Exorcist by William Peter Blatty. So I read this before I even considered myself a reader and fell in love with it. I did see the movie first and I saw the movie many times before reading the book for the very first time. So. You would think that I possibly could have fallen into getting bored with the plot since I had already been familiar with the plot because of the film. However, that was not the case, and that is why I think the book is worth checking out. Even if you've seen the movie, I actually like the book just as much as the film. I think it adds an extra layer to the story of the film, and you get into the mind of the priest, and essentially, in case you don't know, the story of the exorcist, we've got a priest trying to exorcise this demon from this little girl named Reagan. And Reagan's mother's trying her best to help Reagan. At first, she tries going to doctors. She's trying all kinds of different things. But eventually, it leads to a full-blown exorcism. And a lot of people know what happens from there. But again, the book is just a scary as the film, and I remember reading this outside because I wanted to read it in the full-blown sunlight. I was creeped out. So this was easily a five out of five back at a time where I didn't even think I was a reader. I didn't even really go out of my way to read for pleasure, but I happened to try to pick this up, and I wanted to compare it to the movie, and I'm so glad I did because I still think about this over 10 years later, and it deserves a spot on this list for sure because of that. Next we have another oldie but a goodie. We have Harvest Home which was published in 1973 and I love this book but it is not for everyone so let me just preface my discussion of it with saying that it is a slow burn and so if you do not like slow burns you probably won't like this. Sometimes the main character who is a man he does get a little annoying. You've got this city family and they're tired of living in the city you know they're tired of the hustle and bustle so they decide to move to this small town where everybody knows everybody but the customs in this town are a little weird and things might be going on underneath the surface. And although the family starts to acclimate and make friends, things start to seem unusual after a while. And the patriarch of the family, he starts to get suspicious of some of the things that the town want and how obsessed the town is about the harvest. So things develop from there. I don't want to say too much. But there's a scene near the end having to do with scarecrows and stuff, I believe, that is so... So off putting that I was freaked out, and I was like, Oh my gosh! But the tension in this is great, you know, regardless. Also, I really like a small town setting, I like character building, which this had a lot of because you're following like a lot of different people in this small town and you do get to know them. So that is why it's a slow burn because you're getting to know all of these people. This is definitely a must read for someone who likes folklore and someone who doesn't mind a slower read. Next we have Hellhound, a favorite paperback from hell type of book that I love. This is the official Valancourt reprint edition of this book. This book was originally published in 1977, of course this is the new edition, but it does have the same vintage cover. So I read this about two or three years ago. It was the first paperback from hell, or one of the first that I ever read, and it's still one of my very favorites. Years later. So essentially, I didn't even own this. I checked it out from the library, but I liked it so much that I bought my own copy. That's how much I enjoyed it. We have a dog named Baxter, and he is very, very vicious and conniving. He's not your typical canine for sure. He's kind of an evil, plotting manipulative canine and I love that about him because he is so messed up and we do get his point of view during the story but it's not just told from his point of view there are other characters who are just as if not more despicable than Baxter himself so there's a lot going on but Ken Greenhall the author of this who also wrote under the name Jessica Hamilton did such a great job at telling the story or at least part of the story from a Dog's point of view. I really thought I was in the mind of Baxter, and it was a scary place to be, to be honest. But yeah, five stars easy and not your typical throwaway, trashy, campy animal attack book. I feel like this has a little bit more meat on its bones and a little bit more to say. But I will say it is very kind of depressing, more than a usual animal attack book would be. Usually they're fun and funny. This one, it it does has have some interesting parts, but I would say it's a little darker than your typical animal attack on the whole. Next up, another book that was published in 1977, just like Hellhound was. This is Stephen King's The Shining, and I freaking love this book. I have read it a total of two times in my life, and the first time was back when, again, like The Exorcist, back when I did not consider myself a reader. The big reason that I decided to pick this up, even though I didn't read recreationally for fun very often, I wanted to compare it to the movie, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it is a movie that I have seen many, many times. So I thought, again, I feared I could possibly be bored reading this. Like, I already know what's going to happen. There's actually quite a few differences between this and the Stanley Kubrick version of the movie, because Kubrick definitely made a whole bunch of changes. And even the tone of our main character, Jack, he is different in the book versus the movie. I feel like Jack Nicholson, who plays Jack in the film, he comes off as a little unhinged from the get-go. Whereas Jack, the character in the book, I feel like he is a guy struggling with his own personal demons, and you see that right from the beginning. He doesn't come off as unhinged from the word go in the book as he does in the movie. Essentially, we've got a family, Jack and his wife and his son, Danny. They all go up and stay at this hotel to take care of it for the wintertime, and Jack wants to get some writing done while they're kind of sequestered away from everyone up there. But the hotel is not your normal typical hotel. It's a spooky hotel. It's a spooky place. So the Overlook Hotel, it is essentially haunted in a way. Things develop from there. A lot of you already know the story of The Shining because you've probably seen the movie if you haven't read the book. So I am sure I am preaching to the choir here about this book, but I freaking still think this is my favorite Stephen King book, even though since I first read this, I also read so much more King since then, because last year, my friend Kat over at the channel Cats Nell Adventures, she and I had a whole year of King where we read a King book every single month of the year last year, and The Shining was the last book we read. And my whole goal was, is The Shining really my favorite Stephen King, or does another book that I've never read by King going to surpass it? And after that full year, The Shining is still my favorite Stephen King book. So The Shining is still on top, and that is why this is the only Stephen King book you will see on this list, because I did want to rep each author once, so you will not see any authors repeated on this list. I'm sure I could give some honorable mentions to other Stephen King books that I really do like, but this is definitely my favorite King hands down, and it's a perfect winter read. So if you're looking for cold vibes, look no further. Another book that is set in wintertime. We have such nice people. This takes place in December. This is a vintage horror book, so it is another, quote, paperback from hell read, and I love this book. It is hard to find because it is out of print and there is no new edition, there is no Kindle edition either. So you can find this though on archive.org, where a lot of times you're able to read out of print books on your computer. So I think that is a great asset if you're looking to read this after I talk about it. So this is by Sandra Scopitone and this is wild. This is also a slow burn like Harvest Home. For some reason, a lot of vintage books, not all, but a lot of them are slow burns. This is one of those kinds of reads, and we're following this family, so we're going through the ups and downs of their relationships, specifically the mother and father of the family who are having some marriage problems. So we do spend a lot of time riffing on that and reading about that, I should say. And uh, I didn't mind that. I actually thought that was kind of entertaining. But if you don't like any domestic stuff in your books, you might want to steer clear of this. It might not be for you. But the ending gets insane and bonkers. So they think something's wrong with their son because he's acting funny, but nobody really knows how bad the son's mental health truly is. So when you get towards the end of this book, there is something crazy and disturbing that happens in a shed. The shed scene blows people's minds. Anytime I meet someone else who has read this book, I'm like, the shed scene, the shed. And I think if you've read it, you know what I mean. It just kind of blows your mind. And you're like, eh. And then the end is also insane. So this... Is the burn worth it? In my opinion, yes. You've you got to read to the end if you start it because it is worth it once you get started, I believe. Next up, we have Geek Love by Catherine Dunn. Is this story for everyone? No. It is written in a more literary style. It is a character study of sorts. But there is plenty of weirdness to keep you entertained from the beginning to the end because we're essentially following this super messed up mom and dad who decide to start breeding their own freaks to ensure the longevity of their own traveling carnival, of which that they are the owners and the leaders and, and the head of, essentially. So they are really messed up for doing that, and you could argue that Catherine Dunn shouldn't even write about that because it's so messed up. Essentially, they are trying to have kids that are different, and they succeed in doing so. Thus, after the children are born, the family makes them an official part of the show. And there's a lot going on besides that. There's also a separate storyline besides the Carnival storyline. We get a glimpse into the future after the Carnival, like many years after the Carnival ends, and there's a secondary thing going on there. But as you could see, I thought the writing was fantastic, hence why I tabbed all of these pages. And these tabs are most likely just lines that I loved. So again, it's, the style's not going to be for everyone because it is very literary and flowery writing, but I was really engrossed, really absorbed. And I find the book to be very disturbing. My friend Ollie, in all transparency, read this and did not like it. He did not think it was disturbing. Uh, he just did not gel with it. And I understand some people not being able to get on with this book. However, I still think about this book all the time. The main character, funnily enough, her name is Ollie. <laughs> She's a cute little character that I just love. And she is different than Ollie Ollie, which is British Ollie, who's like, yo, I run Garbo August. No, this is Ollie, the Carnival Ollie. And she is a cute sweetheart. So Ollie is different in this book, but uh, she is very complicated. And I think the depth that Dunn wrote Ollie and the other characters with is really part of what makes this such a good read. There's also a small cult element in this, but a lot of people talk about this as a cult book, but I don't want people to think that the cult subplot is super heavy, because for the most part, it's not. It comes in late into the book, and it plays a certain role for a little while, but I wouldn't say that is a huge huge focus of the book for the most part. It does become a focus, but if you're going into it just because of the cult elements, I would say don't expect it to be as culty as you think it will be. So I don't know if culty is in descriptor type of word, but I'm gonna use it that way. So Geek Love, which I just talked about, was published in 1989. This book was also published in 1989. This is Toady by Mark Morris, one of the most underrated authors that I've read thus far as a huge reading fan. I feel like Mark Morris, his name should be shouted. Like Robert McCammon, one of my other favorite authors, I feel like Mark Morris should get a lot more recognition for his writing skills, his unique stories, his incredible horror imagery. Unfortunately, when he started writing, the horror boom was kind of at its end, so. This I don't think gets as much attention as it deserves. So this is the British version of the book called Toadie. There is an American version which is 200 pages shorter. It cuts out a large part of the end. You can read the American version without losing too much in terms of the Part they took out, you could take it out and still understand everything. So it's not like it's going to leave you confused, but I would still advise reading the full version. If you like It by Stephen King, I think you could love this. It's a different kind of coming-of-age story. It's got just as good if not better horror imagery than It, and it's got a winter setting. Not a lot of coming-of-age books are set in the winter, but this one is. So we're following a group of kids who live in a small town, and something is going on, something is amiss, and there's this kid named Toadie at the center of it all, and he is not as innocent as he seems, and he's just the center of everything bad that's happening, and we learn why as we go through the book. It's just... I can't say enough good things about this book it blew me away when my friend alex check her channel out she is over at the bookubus channel she and i buddy read this together last year and we were both blown away not just me and i actually could put his other book that i read recently on this list too but i only wanted to include each author once as i said earlier so i could have also included stitch but since i read toady first and toady kind of holds a special place in my heart. That is why I chose to include Toadie versus Stitch. I do think both are amazing. Both were five stars. You can't go wrong if you're checking out Mark Morris for the first time, if you choose to pick up either of these books. They are hard to find. You'll probably have to look for them on thrift books or uh, used on Amazon or somewhere else you can find used books because these are hard to find. And again, if you're looking for the British full version, full amount of pages version of Toadie, look for the title Toadie. If you see Horror Club by Mark Morris, that is the edited down American version of the same story. I would advise just reading the whole thing. It is a chunker, but it reads fast and it's entertaining and it's well worth the time you'll spend to check it out. And you'll be glad because you will have discovered a gem that literally hardly anyone talks about. So Mark Morris for life, check him out. Ah, next up, one of my favorite books to talk about this year, because I just read this this year. Nelves by Sidney Williams. This is so zany. And I just gotta say it, I gotta get it over with. Your mom's a bitch! There are these little cartoon characters who appear to this little girl named Heaven. She does not know why. All of a sudden, she's starting to see these fictional cartoon characters come to life and actually be able to physically hurt her and also insult her mom. They very much bash Heaven's Mom to Heaven. They're like, yo, your mom. (laughs) And they just say a whole bunch of negative things about Heaven's Mom. Is it hilarious? Yes, I do advise picking up the audiobook because it's fantastic. But outside of all the hilarity, this just is so different of a story. I highly, highly recommend this book. If you like having a good time, not taking your horror overly seriously. Also, if you are looking for something out of the box that is like a story you've never read before, I think NELF's is the way to go. You can find this as a Kindle edition, and you can find it on audiobook, which is rare for an old book like this. This is a vintage copy that I got from my friend Andrew, so thank you so much, Andrew. You can find Andrew at It Came From The Page. I cannot believe you are okay with sending me this. Thank you so much. This is one of my most treasured book possessions now because not only is it one of my favorite books ever, but as you can see, it has a freaking incredible, amazing cover and this is a 90s horror book. Next, we have The King of Trash, a Richard Layman book. We have Endless Night by Richard Layman, and I have said this time and time again on my channel. Just because you hear me talk about Richard Layman, please, 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 please do not just go pick up a Richard Layman book willy-nilly, even this book. This book is one of my favorite books ever, hence why it is here. I keep saying hence why it is here. I hate saying that, I'm not saying it anymore. It's on my list because it's one of my favorites. And even though it is a favorite, I still don't think it's for everybody. And I don't think Richard Layman as a whole is for everybody. And that is because as I alluded to, he is super trashy. He does mention boobs and butts, AKA rumps is the word he likes to use a lot. In his stories, like every single one of his stories, all of his characters, not just the women, not just the men, they are all overly sexualized in here. They all are obsessed with sex for the most part. And there are some uncomfortable parts with like, you know kind of teenage people and underage people in terms of like their thoughts and other people's thoughts and actions and bad guys' thoughts and actions. So is it hard to read at some points and uncomfortable, yes. But sometimes horror makes you feel uncomfortable. And if you like trashy stuff and if the mention of female body parts over and over again doesn't bother you, I think the heart of the story, the the tension of the story, when talking about this one specifically, if you can handle all of that, I think the inner tension of this is worth it, because from page five, we've got a home invasion. Our main character, Jody is sleeping over at her friend's house, and these people break in, and they're wearing freaking skin as kilts and stuff. It's insane, and it's got one of the worst villains in this book of all time. This book is massive, and I read it in one day. I could not put it down. There is a very small part where Richard Layman is talking about guns because one of the characters is showing, I think Jody or somebody else, how to use a gun. And uh, that part I thought was a little bit boring, but it's just a very tiny speck in comparison to the whole length of the novel. So I, I still, with that little part, this was still a five and I still recommend it. If you think, if you truly think you can handle Richard Layman. Again, I would look up trigger warnings. I would just look up descriptions. I would definitely look up things if you're intrigued at all, but have never read Layman at all. Uh, I do think you have to take the proper precautions and don't say I didn't warn you if you do read it. And like my friend Katrina, are, like, disgusted with his writing style and feel weird about it and give it, like, a 1 or a 1.5 because I'm not surprised. I don't blame you. But again, I think that this is trashy cozy in that, yeah, there are problems with it. Yeah, you do feel a little weird reading it, but at the same time, There's something very compelling and easy to read about it in terms of it is tense, it is fast-paced, it is interesting, and it gets bonkers in general. So because of all those factors, I feel like for me personally, he is worth reading. And I have liked a couple of his books, but I've also hated a book by him. So take this all with a grain of salt and don't just go pick this up. Do your research and you'll be happy you did. Because if you find that you see some things you don't like, then you can avoid it altogether. However... This just had to make my list. It it has one of the grossest characters ever and I have never felt so, so scared for a main character as I did while reading this book and I just wanted Jody to escape these bad guys. Another vintage book, again, because we're going from old to new, we've got a book published in 1993, Book of the Damned by D.A. Fowler, a.k.a. Deborah Fowler. This is a newer edition because there have been reprints of her books, which is awesome, but you can find vintage copies out there if you like to frequent used bookstores, so keep your eye out because her books have a lot of wonderful covers. And just FYI, Endless Night by Richard Lehman was also published in 1993, just like this one, Book of the Damned, was as well. This one is so complicated, but just know, is there a penis used as a lightsaber yes bitch somehow yes but also there's a lot more wacky things that are represented in here besides just that also there are a lot of bleak elements in here as well so it's not just funny stuff it's not just gross stuff it's also bleak stuff it's a combination of all things that make vintage horror very very compelling in my opinion this book i would say is the perfect vintage horror book to give someone to try if they're trying to dip their toe into vintage horror and see if they like it. Because to me, yes, there are some things that have not aged well in here, but as a whole, this is very representative of what good vintage horror can do. Because the plot is great and interesting and different, but also the elements in the story are very, very awesome and intriguing and scary and sad and... All these elements come together and make for a wonderful horror read as a whole. Now we're getting into the early 2000s. This is Come Closer by Sarah Gran and it was originally published in 2003. This I just read this year and it blew me away. I love possession stories, not everyone does. I am a sucker for them. You already saw The Exorcist on this list. Will there or won't there be more possession stories on this list? You'll have to wait and see. But this one is one of the best ones I've read and I've read a few not like the most out of anybody ever, but I love picking up a good possession book. Something about demonology fascinates me. So this one has a lot of emotion. It's great character study. And essentially we're just following this woman. She thinks she's possessed and we follow her as uh, she tries to deal with that fact and cope with that in her life because it's really whatever's going on. We don't know if it's a demon or not. You'll have to read it and see if it truly is or not. Things just get crazy and really hard for her, and it messes up her life, whatever is going on for her. So, highly recommend. Oh, so good. I wish I could go back and read it again for the first time, even though I just read it for the first time not very long ago. But the audiobook was great, too. Now we are jumping quite far ahead to 2014, when this book was published, The Troop by Nick Cutter. I... Love this book. As you can see, we've got more tabs. Whenever you see the tabs, it gives it away that I was obsessed with the writing and some of the passages and the horror. The Troop is a book that I don't recommend lightly because there is quite a bit of, specifically, body horror in this that can be quite gruesome, as well as animal cruelty. And not only one scene of that, multiple scenes. Does it play a role in the story? Yes. However, I still think that if you're on the fence about it, you should look into it a little further because... It is kind of extreme animal cruelty, although it does play a role in the story, it doesn't mean that it's easy to read. It is not. And the body horror itself is also hard to read because it's some of the more graphic body horror that I've read. And I've read quite a bit of horror that uses body horror in the story, but this one... It's pretty high up there in the terms of the quality. Whenever you got things being sliced and diced, I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, like that kind of stuff gets to me. So specifically, there were just some things I was like. Ugh. So we've got this troop of Boy Scouts and their Scoutmaster going to this little secluded island not far from their home. They decide to do a weekend-long camping trip, but this man escapes from somewhere and ends up on the island with them. And right away, the kids are like, who the hell is this? The Scoutmaster doesn't know how to deal with it. This guy could be infected with something. What is he infected with? And how does it affect the kids on the island and the Scoutmaster? And who knows about this guy? Where did he come from? And how will it be taken care of if this is something that can spread, essentially? And that is our basic premise, but there's so much more to it than that. And the ending There's so much you can analyze, and that alone, I love that type of thing. Next up, my only Grady Hendrix book on this entire list, because again, I'm trying to include each author once. But Grady Hendrix is a favorite author of mine, much like Mark Morris, much like Robert McCammon. So although I love a lot of his books, and I have rated a lot of his books five stars, this is easily... My favorite of his books, My Best Friend's Exorcism. Of course, this was published in the mid-2000s in 2016, and it is such a great story. So again, we have another possession story. This is the third book that has some kind of possession element or possible possession element represented in the story. I cried so much at the end because it's way more than just about a potential possession. It is about friendship. And it also has a lot of 80s nostalgia. So it just has a lot of great moments between friends in this book, especially near the end, but it also has some great references throughout the entire book as well. So I could go on and on about this and I don't want to because a lot of people have already read it, but if you're one of those few who have not, I think that this is a fabulous Grady Hendrix book, especially if you do not love horror, like in terms of super gruesome horror i feel like grady hendrix as an author overall his writing is so approachable and i think his books specifically are great for people who are on the fence about reading pure horror i feel like his books can be great for people who more like thrillers or who read other genres usually and don't really dip their toe into horror very often but grady hendrix i think can appeal to anyone next i am super super hyped to discuss this book because I believe I have never, ever, ever discussed this book ever on my channel and this is The Good Demon. This is a YA book, I believe, but the reason this holds a special place in my heart besides having a out-there type of take on possession that I have never seen anywhere else besides that awesome element of it, It was also my gateway into getting into reading hardcore. So I picked this up during the pandemic and I, growing up, only read a few things as I've mentioned here and there throughout this video. I read The Shining and loved it. I read The Exorcist and I also, really loved Harry Potter. And I continued to love Harry Potter, eh, even into my adult years. So during the pandemic, I had started to think about reading Goosebumps or maybe rereading Harry Potter or trying to get into reading again for like the billionth time in my life. And every time I tried to get into it, I would fail or find something where I didn't know what I liked. Anyway, I looked up a list of books that were similar to Harry Potter for adults. So books for adults that loved Harry Potter, And a whole bunch of things came up. This book was actually mentioned on one of the lists I looked up. And so I took a chance and ordered it from Amazon. When I got it in the mail, I literally started reading and I couldn't stop. And I never had that experience in many, many years. I didn't know you could just find a random book that wasn't popular like Twilight or like The Shining or like Harry Potter. I didn't know you could just find something that would compel you to read so so quickly and also give you so much enjoyment. I was just hooked from the description of this and from the first page so again it might not be for everyone because our main character I don't believe she is bitchy but that's one complaint people have about books that have a younger protagonist or books that are considered YA and have a younger protagonist so this one like I said it does have a younger protagonist but here is the description. It wasn't technically an exorcism, what they did to Claire. When the Reverend and his son ripped her demon from her, they called it a deliverance. But they didn't understand that Claire and her demon, known simply as her, were like sisters. She comforted Claire, made her feel brave, helped to ease her loneliness. They were each other's only. Now Claire's only comforts are the three clues that she left behind. Be nice to him, June 30th, and remember the stories. Claire will do anything to get her back, even if it means teaming up with the Reverend's son and scouring every inch of her small southern town for answers. But if she sacrifices everything to bring back her demon, what will be left of Claire? And I just love it. I love how the tagline says, We all have demons. Claire wants hers back. So the tagline... Is genius. One. Two, I love the premise. There is a mystery element like it says she has to look for these clues because she has to try to figure out how she could possibly get her quote demon back and if that's even able to happen. There is a semi kind of flirty thing happening with her and the Reverend son. That's not my favorite part. That's not why you should read this. You should really read this for the unique take on exorcism in my opinion because most of the time, people don't want to have a demon possessing them, which I guess I can understand. In Claire's case, she not only wanted to be possessed when she is exorcised, she freaking misses her demon. And to me, that was like a revolutionary idea. And that is why I dug this so hardcore, and it delivered, and it really got me into reading So after this book, I just kept looking up more lists, kept trying out different things, and eventually I stumbled upon Paperbacks from Hell and discovered vintage horror too. So it just snowballed because I think after this, soon after, I read My Best Friend's Exorcism and then I wanted to read more by Grady Hendrix, which led me to the nonfiction Paperbacks from Hell. That's where I discovered vintage horror and it just snowballed and snowballed. And now I feel like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to horror books. But back when I read this only three years ago, I can't not even believe three, three and a half years ago, I didn't know much of anything about horror besides The Exorcist and The Shining. And thanks to this book, because it really truly sparked something in me, I have really evolved as a person and I can't imagine not being a reader and not having books in my life. So thank you, Jimmy, who's the author, and thank you, The Good Demon, because I freaking, I love reading now. And this, I think, was a big part of that. If I didn't love this book like I had, who knows what would have happened. Maybe I would have given up on reading again, but I'm so glad that I loved it and that it's brought me to where I am today. Another book that holds a very special place in my heart. This is Autumn Crow by my friend Cameron Cheney, And yes, he is my friend. And he is the head of the YouTube channel, Library Macabre. So check out his channel. He is just one of my favorite people in the entire world. His channel has influenced my style on my channel. But getting to his actual writing work, he's got a- another book coming out very, very soon. And I cannot wait. It's going to be a whole series. It's called Autumn Crow High. And I've never been more pumped about a book I've been so eagerly excited and eagerly awaiting the release of that book but it shouldn't be too much longer I know he's working hard to get it done and he has said that it is coming not too much longer I don't know what this is what else anyway I'm not big into short story collections but this blew me away and as I've been saying Cameron's my friend but I am not saying that just because he's my friend. This book, if you love Halloween, if you love Ray Bradbury, for instance, you will adore this. I feel like this captures the beauty of Bradbury's writing, but it simplifies it. And I mean that as a compliment. It is readable in the best sense of the word. It also has amazing fall imagery and Halloween imagery. And there is a sadness held within these stories that I think is perfect for Halloween stories, because Halloween's not just about being scary, it's about honoring the dead, thinking about those who are no longer with us. So I do feel like that has to be represented as well, if you're writing a whole bunch of stories about Halloween. And essentially, Autumn Crow, the reason why I love it so much is because, although I'm not a huge fan of short story collections, this one All the stories tie together. They all take place in this town called Autumn Crow, where it is Halloween 24-7 every day of the year. It is Halloween all the time. And so that makes the stories connected in some way. And that is what I like. It's not random. They all mean something. And they all reference each other, which I really like. And... It's just so good. If you're looking for a great read coming up this Halloween season and you haven't read this, I think you can't go wrong. And I am a big fan of horror comedy when it's done the way I like it, which is kind of in an absurdist type of way or an absurdist and or sarcastic type of way. And Clowns vs. Spiders by Jeff Strand has both of those humor elements to it. There is one clown in particular who's kind of sarcastic And also a little mean, but in a funny way. And there's these other clowns which just act in the most absurd way. Essentially, the title explains the entire premise. We do have a group of clowns who truly believe they are clowns. Like, it's not performers who are actors acting as clowns. These are people who live and breathe being a clown. They consider how honored they are to be clowns. They don't want to be scary clowns. They want to be funny clowns. They want to bring laughter and cheer. They want to uphold the clown code, which for them is a real thing. So think of this, that it's not set in like our universe because you know, obviously clowns in real life are not like this, <laughs> but the clowns in this story, they're so gullible. I think that's what makes them so great they're also just so zany and they mess up everything they have great intentions but everything falls apart around them and that leads to a lot of the humor as well so uh, just the way they speak is hilarious and i did not use audio for this so i know there is audio and i think there's people who think it's funny uh with the audio but i kind of liked reading it in my own head because i could interpret the lines the way i thought they would be said and it was so funny but there's a lot of action in here too so this is a great creature feature because these giant spiders get released on accident after there's this explosion in a cave and these spiders that have been asleep for like eons or something come out and start attacking including the haunted house where these clowns are working at and the clowns have to go up against them and try to save everybody but Mostly they just make things worse, but do they succeed in helping in the end? That is for you to find out if you have not read it yet, but yeah, it is so funny. But if you like to take things seriously and like to truly be scared, I would say, maybe steer clear because this definitely doesn't take itself seriously. I wouldn't say that everything is believable in here, and I wouldn't say that it is actually scary. Now there is some blood and stuff, but again, it's really not meant to be like gory gross out. It's more meant to be like a funny, fun, campy time where you could just sit back and have a cozy, funny, enjoyable read. It's not your typical horror where it's like dark and brooding and it has something to say. This is a very specific type of read and you've got to be in the mood for it. But if you're who enjoys that type of thing, go ahead, take a chance and check out Clowns vs. Spiders! Next up, my favorite slasher book. I like slasher books, but I also have a love-hate relationship with slasher books because sometimes they can be so pointless. It's a lot easier, I think, for someone to make a slasher movie versus write a slasher book because the slasher subgenre originated in movie form on film, you know? It didn't originate in book form really. You know, when you think of Black Christmas, you think of uh, Halloween, of course, that really took off. And now we have writers who grew up watching those movies and they want to try their hand at writing slasher books. But I don't think every author is very successful at it. Now, Ivy Tholen, who wrote Tastes Like Candy here, which is my favorite slasher, she has written two specific slasher books and they're both amazing, but I do like this one a little bit better. Her other one, Mallrats, it's fun, but it's a little too long. I still rated it very highly, but this one's basically perfect. Now, if you don't mind a little bit of a development because it does take a while to get into the killing. Some people think that this is a little too YA, but I didn't find that. There is cursing, there is gruesome deaths, and the setting is incredible. I mean, that has nothing to do with if it's YA or not, but the setting is a Halloween carnival, and the setting is utilized when it comes to the slashing kills at the end. So you do have to spend time getting to know our main character and our main group of girls that we are following who are a group of educated girls who are not your typical high school girl, not your typical mean girl, and not your typical slasher character that you would encounter in a movie that you would hate. A lot of slasher characters, you just hate them. That can work in a movie. In Book 4 it doesn't always work because a lot of times you want to be invested in characters to keep reading to care there are instances where you can read a slasher book and hate the characters and want them to get slashed so you're invested in a different way because you hate them and you want to see them get freaking destroyed but this you come to love the very main character and you come to like her group of friends you don't get to know the friends as much but uh, it takes a while now I will say I guessed what was going on and who was behind the killings in this, but I don't really think it's as much about not guessing the mystery as it is about the awesome kills. I really do think that some of these kills in this are are very unique, more unique than almost any other kills I've read in other slasher books, but I have a lot of favorite slashers, but I've got a group of ones that are very, very good and stand out above the crowd of mediocre slasher books that are out there, but this one is at the very tip top of that list of great slasher books next one of the books that helped me discover that i really do like cosmic horror this thing between us and this is not a full possession story but are there little hints of possession elements in this yeah a lot of people describe this as like a haunted alexa type of deal but there's way more to this than just that if you don't like cosmic horror you probably won't like this in terms of a lot of times i find in that type of horror not Everything is answered or understood, but there's a lot of creepiness in this book. The audiobook is fantastic. The grief depicted in this is so palpable and heart-wrenching. So I really like grief horror. That's another subgenre of horror that I really enjoy and a theme in horror overall that I enjoy. So this has the grief, it has the spookiness and the creepiness, and it has the thought-provoking elements in it too, because you just keep thinking, thinking, what does this mean? What is the message? What happened? And I really like this. I think it'd be a great book if you've never read it to read it with someone else and discuss it or to read it as a future book club pick if you're somebody who hasn't read it and has a book club or belongs to a book club. But yeah, fascinating read, so well written. And I cannot wait to read more by Gus Moreno because this was my first read of his and I just read it a few months ago. And again, blown away, hence why, (laughs) damn it. (laughs) And that is why it's here, so what else? Another author makes my list, who is a favorite of mine, because I seem to really gel with her style. I've only read this and one other book by her, but I have loved both. Both have been favorites. Both have been five stars. But the one I chose to include on this list, out of her two books I've read, was this one, Sundial. And Sundial, it's wonderful. The way it weaves you into the story, the way you think one thing and then another, and then you're, like, questioning everything. The way she lays out little clues. It's just really fantastic i gotta say this i think is perfect for people who also like thrillers i don't think it would be for everyone because some people find her storytelling a little confusing i think her characters are compelling enough to keep you reading so that you can figure out what's going to happen and how things are going to play out in the end so this one was so good and last but definitely not least, a book I just read this year and it's a brand new release just out this year, Maeve Fly. I actually had an advanced reading copy of this from NetGalley and from the publisher. Thank you, Tor Nightfire, so much. I am obsessed with this book and I will continue to shout, shout and shout and convince and like tell everyone I know about this because this was so enjoyable. I don't think it's for everyone having said that, and I know I keep saying that, but I'm gonna explain why. So if you like character development, And being in one character's head for an entire book, then I think you could like this. If you like American Psycho, because this does allude to American Psycho and pay tribute to American Psycho, specifically in tone, specifically in subject, and specifically in some actual scenes that are literally paying homage to American Psycho. So in many ways, let's say, it pays homage to that other book. But I have not read the other book, but I have watched the movie American Psycho. And from what I understand, Patrick Bateman, who is the guy from American Psycho. I wouldn't call him a protagonist. He's the guy from American Psycho who's very seedy. You really don't like him, and some aspects of his thoughts apparently can be boring from the people I know who have read the book. And also from watching the movie, I find that to be the case as well. Like, you know, he's not a very fun person to follow. Maeve is also twisted and messed up. That's our main character, Maeve. She is a lot like Patrick Bateman in that she is not Normal. She is a little twisted. She is almost like a wolf in sheep's clothing and look at this cover by the way just a sidebar, but even with all of that, I think Maeve is somehow still likable. And there is like a feminism element to this that I really like. And what I love about being in her head is she loves Halloween. And I think that's one of the things that makes her super likable is that when you're following her, she's talking about Halloween songs that she loves and history of Halloween music that she loves. She also works at a Disney park as a princess. There's also a love story in this, which I usually hate, but I loved it here. I just can't say enough great things about this because everything in this book was perfect for me and came together in the absolute best perfect way for me to like it. The ending was phenomenal and the writing was beautiful and elegant despite it being such a twisted subject matter and despite us spending so much time in Maeve's head, which honestly should be a not fun place to be, but I actually enjoyed being there and, you know, Getting to know her, even though she's so messed up. Super quickly, I want to explain why you might be wondering why Boy's Life by Robert McCammon is not on this list. Boy's Life is my favorite book of all time. And this is supposed to be an all-time favorite top 20 list. But again, I specified at the beginning, it is a top 20 horror list of all time so specifically horror some people argue this is horror it is classified as horror or part horror on goodreads however i do not think of this as horror at all i think actually it's not as popular and well known as it should be even though it was a bestseller and it is relatively well known i just think this book does not get its props because a lot of people lump it in with like thriller mystery horror and it's more than that like a lot of people put this in the same convo as it i think it's way better than stephen king's it but it's also completely different and unfair to compare it considering there is no big bad or supernatural evil guy specifically we are more following a small town i've got plenty to say about this book but i'm not going to say it here because it doesn't make the list because it's my top favorite book of all time period Just any book. It's a fiction book. I feel like it does have magical realism in it. It does have a mystery at the core. There is some danger involved, but it's really more about characters and small towns and growing up and losing, you know, innocence. There's also a huge subplot that has to do with racism and specifically southern racism, which is super hardcore, especially in this book, because it takes place in Alabama back in the day, like in the 60s. So... Having said all of that, that is something that goes on. Look how many tabs. It's- it's for a reason, because the writing is just unbelievable. oh, I want to frickin' marry this book! No, I'm kidding. I love this book. So, there is a reason it didn't make this particular list, but is it still my favorite of all time, even more than all of these books? I must say yes. I could not not mention Boy's Life and explain why it is not on this list, technically, so. Still, check it out though. If you are okay with reading non horror, technically, I would say check it out. But if you go in thinking you're going to get a whole bunch of like horrific stuff and you're waiting for the horror, then you're going to end up being disappointed because it's someone who's looking for like scary stuff and twisted stuff. That's when that person who's waiting for that is going to be bummed out because it's not going to happen that way. It's a slow kind of burn, but everything connects together in the end. It's a whole bunch of different things. A whole bunch of different events that seem unrelated, but no, they become related and the way that is done and woven together is like, I can't even imagine someone doing a better job at weaving a whole bunch of different unrelated things together to create honestly, in my opinion, a masterpiece. A freaking once-in-a-lifetime masterpiece. And a couple of newer honorable mentions. I did want to mention Krampus, which I read last December and loved it. My first book I read by Brahm, and I was not disappointed. Very unique take on Krampus, lots of fun lore, has some dark fantasy elements that I actually didn't mind, even though I'm not a fantasy girly at all. This had an amazing audiobook, too, one of the best audiobooks I've listened to, period, just because I love the voice for Krampus and the voice for Santa and mm, mm mm perfection in a lot of ways, and that's why I wanted to give it a special shout-out, at least. Now you might be wondering why Robert McCammon's more horror-type of books didn't make it on my list. It's because my favorite book of his really is Boy's Life, and even his books that slightly lean into horror a little bit more... You know, I didn't feel like they should make this list. The other book I really love by him, Mystery Walk. I love that one almost as much as Boy's Life, but I don't find it's horror, so I didn't put it here. Usher's Passing, I would say, out of all of his books, leans the most into horror because there are some spooky, creepy elements. It does have a fall type of vibe. But I just don't like this enough to put it on my top 20 of all time, although I do recommend this if you want something great to read for fall time and Halloween time with an interesting story. Not everyone I know who's read this has loved this but I know other friends like my friend Katrina over at the channel Katrina Brown and my friend Andrew from It Came From The Page. They love this. They also love the audiobook which is great. I just had to shout this out because it is great but it's just not top 20 material. However, McCammon's writing is really enjoyable. Like The Wolf's Hour is another book I love of his. That's more of like a thriller book in my opinion. I'm reading Gone South right now which again is not a horror book but I think it's about to become my second favorite McCammon book. I still have like 80 pages to go, so I'm not sure yet, but we'll see. But yeah, McCammon, you can't go wrong if you just check out his work in general, especially his like mid to later work. I do want to remind you that there's a whole bunch of other vintage horror books that I love, but I wanted to have a good balance of new and old. So there's a lot of vintage horror books that are five stars that I didn't mention here that didn't make my top ultimate list. However, they would make a top ultimate list if I just had a top 20 Peerbacks from Hell list, which I am coming out with very soon. So stay tuned for more Peerback from Hell recommendations from me and more of my favorite Peerbacks from Hell. You probably will see some of the ones mentioned on this list on my other list, but you'll see a lot more in addition to the ones I mentioned today in this list. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. This video has been a beast. It's been very long. So I hope you had a snack or some refreshments or maybe you broke it up, but I had to give these books their due props. I had to kind of shout the praises about all of the books on this list to you guys. I couldn't just kind of gloss over everything. Thank you so much for letting me talk even more in depth than usual about these books. I appreciate you guys so much and don't forget to check out Ana Luisa. Thank you again to them for sponsoring this video and for these super cute lovely pieces. Again, my link is below. Use that link. And when you go there and check out to save 20%, use my code SLIMEANDSLASHERS20. Again, SLIMEANDSLASHERS20. When you click with the link below and go to checkout, use the code because that not only helps me, But it kind of gives you a little something special, too, by giving you a discount for something that you're going to use and wear, hopefully. Like I said earlier, it is a benefit to both of us, and I appreciate any support to anyone who uses the code and the link. And thank you once again to Ana Luisa for being my first sponsor ever. I'm so freaking honored and excited to be sponsored by them. I really, really am. I truthfully, honestly, 100% am. All right, so that kind of does it for me, I gotta say. I appreciate you guys watching, as you know. If you have any comments, have you read any of these books? If you have, what did you think of them? So leave anything you want in the comments below. But that is truly it after this long-winded video. So guys, till next time, you know what you can do. Keep on killing it, as my shirt says. Bye, guys.